Before we begin, please be aware that some of the themes and language in this episode may not be suitable for children. In my home country of India, there's a form of meditation that might at first seem, well, silly. Laughter, as these laughing clubs have discovered, is universal, primal, and seriously infectious, but in a good way. Laughter heals. It makes you feel better, chemically speaking. But it also does something even more amazing. It changes our minds by opening the door to a new perspective on yourself and the world. They're always laughing at me. Why are they laughing at me? I said, look in the mirror, blame it on God. <laughs> Anybody else can't swim? See, there ain't many of us left. Most of us have drowned. Do you know what a hero is? Yeah, it's a fat sandwich that's full of baloney. Baby, you're the greatest. How does laughter do this? That's what I wanted to find out from a particularly enlightened comedian. I think that all humour is underwritten by our mutual awareness that the reality we are living in is not the reality. It's not real. And through comedy, you can just for a moment touch that. You can make a connection with that awareness and the laughter is the consequence of that temporary illumination, of that temporary connection. I'm Deepak Chopra, and this is Infinite Potential, where we explore what makes us conscious beings and why it matters that we are. My mum, at the moment, she's homeless. You know, I feel really guilty about that. You know, after she raised me and let me live in her womb for those nine months, I feel I could really give something back, so I'll probably either get a womb or a house. <laughs> Many people know Russell Brand as a comedian. He starred in films, written books, and toured the world, performing to sold-out theatres. But something was always missing. His public struggles with substance abuse and sex addiction are well-documented. Our conversation begins with Russell, now many years into a life of sobriety as well as a deeply personal exploration of what caused the urges he's fought so hard to vanquish and how humor saved him and could save us all. I'm really very privileged and honored this morning, afternoon, depending on which time zone you're in, evening, night. Um, time is a construct. The British stole it as Greenwich Mean Time, and now we all have to follow it. I'm We're sure. not giving time back. <laughs> yeah. no, you're not giving. We're it back. keeping it. You keep it. Okay, we'll let you keep it since you've lost everything else. <laughs> We've given back every other single colony. That's right. The time we're keeping. So, Russell, why don't we start uh, with a simple question? How would you describe yourself? What would you say? I would say that I'm a, a comedian and actor whose primary interest is personal spiritual development 
and how I can use my skills as a comedian to advance my own understanding of spirituality and hopefully as I grow, perhaps one day other people's as well. Russell, uh, how did you discover your gift and how did you then evolve into the magnificent humorist that you are? My personal discovery of comedy was as a kind of personal power tool. I remember making my grandmother, who I didn't have a great relationship with, to be honest, laugh by doing some impressions. And when I sort of saw people laugh, I thought, oh my God, like I'm disrupting things. It felt like a disruptive frequency. I felt like I could jam the ordinary channels through which people were communicating. And then at school, I realized just by saying certain stuff and being willing to act in a certain way that I could break the boundaries, the prescribed boundaries of that institution. In much of humour, particularly that derived from the trickster archetype, the figure that does not respect the boundaries of reality, is the assumption that what we are doing here is kind of a game. It's not real. There are many things that are serious, but we don't have to be solemn about it. You know, my marriage is serious, but I joke about it. My children are serious. These are all things that require humour rather than solemnity, precisely because they are serious. That's so well said, so beautifully articulated. I've been a student of both humour and music all my life, and I think... Um, those of you, uh, artists like you, uh, who actually are amazingly effective in what you do is that you take this fundamental human condition and you take the divine and the diabolical, the so-called uh, sacred and the profane, and you have a way to take that into a creative expression. And people laugh because there's a part of them which is not intellectual, but is closer to their soul. Um, it's uh, very inspiring to read your journey. Can you share a little bit uh, of it with us? I come from an ordinary working class, single parent family. My mother had a lot of sickness when I was growing up, primarily cancer. I have a relationship and a good relationship with both my parents and I wouldn't want to do them a disservice because they're both beautiful people that did a good job in many respects. But I feel that perhaps I... Uh, exited childhood to what degree I have left childhood with a degree of uh, trauma, inadequacy and worthlessness. But I, my personal feeling, and this is based on the solution to those problems as much as anything else, is that what I was feeling was a lack of connection. So my journey has been one of trying to solve spiritual problems through material solutions, notably and obviously drugs, then sex, then fame and money, etc. But ultimately realizing that I need a kind of inner connection that is expressed through compassion and kindness and service to others. And to, when I live a, a life in accordance with those principles, I'm happy. And then when I move out of alignment with those principles, which I frequently do, I often return to selfishness and self-centeredness. And when I do, I become unhappy pretty quickly. In many Eastern spiritual traditions, addiction is uh, actually the human condition. We incarnate because we are addicted. 
and uh, spirituality is considered the quest for transcendence. And therefore, uh, drug addiction is actually a way or a deep desire for transcendence. Unfortunately, it ends up as oblivion many times, and a lot of people don't know the difference between oblivion and transcendence. We are addicted to experience. And uh, once we kind of get to a place of awareness where we don't identify ourselves with the contents of consciousness, which is experience, sensations, images, feelings, thoughts, perceptions, and experience in any form. Of course, it's a it's an idealistic state, but the difference between bondage and freedom is just that shift in uh, identity, I guess. I agree with you that um, so lucidly and clearly put, but where do we first get this awareness? And then having achieved some modicum of connection to this awareness rather than its experiential content, how do we maintain it? From my perspective, Deepak, I find it very hard to stay with awareness. I find it's hard to stay away from carnality and the body. What you said about transcendence and oblivion is interesting to me. Sometimes for me, the distinction is that transcendence has a degree of aspect aspiration and optimism behind it, whereas oblivion is nihilistic and devoid of meaning and exempts you from the need for meaning. For me, the overt and obvious problem with chemical dependency migrated to less obvious but still troubling behaviours, for example, uh, sexuality. Um, and, in, and now that I'm in a monogamous relationship, it's pornography, for example. What I mean to say is that I, my belief is that addiction has a migratory capacity, that if you could close one door, it will find another portal to express itself through. So whilst one day at a time I do feel free from chemical dependency, I'm much closer to what are, you know, like to the addiction around food and sex. These things feel much more visceral, much more real. They seem appealing until you've indulged them and they are necessary for survival. I'd like to ask you, if you have any regrets, uh, because, you know, your life today wouldn't be what it was if you hadn't had all the experiences you've had, if you hadn't struggled, if you hadn't suffered, if you hadn't felt um, deep anguish or what spiritual traditions call the dark night of the soul. So do you have regrets? Only in that I have caused suffering in others, of this I think it would be churlish to say I have no regrets when I have caused pain or heartache in other people. But for myself, I don't question that I've been held and I've been guided and I've had the experienced experiences that I needed to have for my own personal evolution. So no, because I largely most of the time in spite of everything, have acceptance of myself, gratitude for my marriage, gratitude to be the father of two beautiful daughters, gratitude for the work that I do now. I don't regret my own suffering, only the suffering I've caused others. For me now, my life is one 
of devotion and learning how to be of maximum use and maximum service. What are you then most proud of? I'm most proud that I am able to live free from the constant obligation to live in other people's perception of me. I am now developing a stronger and stronger connection with uh the, I would say the I, I, the imminent God, God within me, the, my own consciousness, my own awareness is being connected to a kind of totality that provides me a great deal of uh, salvation and uh, what do I want to say, nutrition. So I'm proud that as a person that, that, you know, began life obsessed with chocolate, obsessed with porn, obsessed with heroin, crack, sex, money, fame, you know, now that I, I occasionally, as I've said to you, I feel the magnetism of these things, but I know they are not real. I know they're an illusion and I know that my future and my present uh, lie with a connection to the ulterior realm. Coming up after the break, we'll see how Russell gains access to the realm of transcendence and what he discovers when he gets there. This episode of Infinite Potential is brought to you by Parachute. Consciousness may be the most precious thing in the entire universe. But what about unconsciousness? Parachute believes that time spent asleep is just as important as time spent awake. That's why they make incredibly comfortable bedding to help you sleep deeper through the night and wake up feeling refreshed. Designed in Los Angeles and made from natural materials, Parachute's entire assortment of bedding, bath linens, rugs, and decor will make your home complete. Visit parachutehome.com infinite for free shipping and returns on Parachute's premium quality, very comfortable home essentials. That's parachutehome.com infinite for free shipping and returns on Parachute's premium home essentials. They offer a 90-day trial. So if you don't love your new stuff, just send it back. We're talking with comedian Russell Brand about some serious topics. Addiction and transcendence and how you get from one to the other. It takes practice. I've seen some of your videos and some of your yoga practices and I know that you have a spiritual practice. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yes. My spiritual practice means that I'm the first thing I do when I wake up, if, if my life is not hijacked by a toddler that I live with, is that I go and I meditate. <sighs> I light four candles, one for my connection with my higher power, one for my connection with my family, one for my connection with work, and one for my connection with all living beings. I meditate for 20 minutes and then I mentally recite four prayers that I know. I list three things that I'm grateful for that day mentally, two or three areas where I will require courage that day. 
I pray for healing for anyone that I can think of that requires healing, then I pray that I am in the synchronicity of life, that I will see the signs that I'm meant to see, that I will receive the messages that I'm meant to receive, that I will not only live in the prescriptive, material, rational world. All that limitless information for which we do not have barometers and recognized instruments, I will receive it intuitively or inwardly that I will feel it. I ask to be in alignment with the greater will. I think it's important to every day try to do things for other people, to try to remember to do two or three things for other people, not direct family members, because that's just like cleaning my teeth, that's standard hygiene to do things for people for which I cannot receive recognition or reward, to remind me that I am not solely determined by my individual identity and my own individual need. That's my personal practice and I try to remember to be aware when I'm resisting, to be aware when I'm thinking too much and to be aware when I'm speaking to people in a way that's unconsciously intended to diminish them so that I feel more powerful. I try to not do those things. Well, that's all that you've listed is amazingly profound and could be useful to anyone who is uh, seeking their own salvation or freedom from bondage. You know, as a researcher, somebody who's uh, trained in neuroscience and neuroendocrinology, We've been looking at some of the practices that you just mentioned, including gratitude. And what we discovered is that if people keep a gratitude journal at the end of the day, they just write down the things they could have been grateful for that day. All the inflammatory markers in their body go down significantly. This, therefore, actually is also establishing a new paradigm on how consciousness creates biology. It's not only influences biology, but our biology itself is an experience in consciousness. So with examples like yours and conversations like this, that people can have a deeper insight into people transforming from bondage, including freedom, ultimately, from what we call addiction. That's pretty powerful. Do you think, may I just ask you, as more and more of this information becomes available, it will influence the way that people behave on the material and political plane? Because it seems to be evidence that sort of esoteric information that was available and has been available for thousands of years, but that wasn't gleaned through scientific or technological means, was gained through some other kind of connection that may be accessible to all of us because these are not scientifically derived ideas they're just being scientifically verified and validated now they're spiritual ideas no yes and you know this what you said is very important because these these insights have been available to traditions like Kashmir Shaivism and Buddhism and many far eastern traditions and actually Gnostic Christianity as well but they were felt to be esoteric and uh, and metaphysical and the domain of a few luminaries. We need to change the collective conversation, I feel. Otherwise, we are heading for extinction. Perhaps before any seismic evolutionary step or revolutionary step in the history of our kind, there is a kind of 
unawareness prior to the realization, for example, that the Earth is spherical and journeys around the sun. I suppose our job is to make it experientially relevant for people to recognize that no material or rational solution will ever emerge to remedy the problem of feeling unhappy in the world. The thing that fascinates me about addiction, wherever you feel, wherever you land on the scale, is it's about the way you feel. People go to pubs and drink alcohol because they want to feel good. People take drugs because they want to feel good. They buy trainers, sneakers because they want to feel good. They eat sugary, fatty food because they want to feel good. And for me, it seems that we are continually seeking external material solutions to a problem that can only be resolved through a different relationship with our inner life. I think when people are introduced to the possibility that there is another way of living, once people recognise that there is another possibility, which I suppose can only be realised experientially, individually, through the I, through the self, through personal connection, then I believe there is the possibility for change. The powerful effect of Russell's self-exploration is so evident. But let's not forget that in the midst of all of this, he's still a comedian. I was an inadvertent and unwilling class clown. I thought what I was was the class heartthrob. It turned out I was the class clown. People were laughing. While I thought hearts were throbbing, that was just people stifling chuckles. After the break, we'll talk about humor's role in the riddle of consciousness and how it can help us understand the harrowing political moment in which we are living. Food, one of the many pleasures in life and essential to our well-being. But sometimes life is too busy to make your own homemade meals. But there's an answer to this dilemma. Postmates. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever you can think of delivery service, all year round. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS and Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates will bring you what you want within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app right now and use the code INFINITE. That's code INFINITE for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Get anything you need, anytime you need it. Download Postmates and save with code INFINITE. Recently, I spent a month in India and I realized how important easy and efficient travel is for a successful trip. So if it's important for me as one person, I can only imagine how important it is for an entire company to manage their travel. If you're frustrated with your company's travel management program or lack thereof, I'd recommend you look into 
trip actions. They take the pain out of corporate travel with a complete solution that helps businesses save and keeps employees happy. With 24-7 proactive support around the globe and incentives for employees to save on travel expenses, companies large and small see over 90% adoption and save up to 34% on travel spend when they use TripActions. Go to tripactions.com slash infinite, complete a 30-minute demo with a TripActions account executive, and you'll get a $100 Amazon gift card. But it's this month only. tripactions.com slash infinite for a free demo and a $100 Amazon gift card. tripactions.com slash infinite. And now, let's return to our conversation with Russell Brand. You know, I watch uh, the news as we all do these days and we see all these world leaders, you know, everyone from Theresa May to Donald Trump to uh, Putin. And we never hear them crack a joke or smile even. What, what's with that? How can these such important luminaries, supposedly, or leaders, not one of them seems to have a sense of humor. What's your take on that? Is, is that means that they've never actually experienced self-awareness? I think that's possibly a, a correct diagnosis. I think perhaps the inability and unwillingness of leaders to use humour is a, a, an unconscious acknowledgement of their fallibility, weakness, disingenuity and unwillingness to be truthful and open with people. There is a brittleness to that type of power, a power that's held together by other people's unawareness, other people's unconsciousness. So humour is a dangerous thing. Humour is disruptive humor is honest and powerful and these are not forces that corrupt people can afford to allow into their discourse that's so well said so beautifully articulated one of the things i go back to is something that uh, i think freud said he had an insight when he said that uh, the definition of neuroses is the inability to handle ambivalence or ambiguity or paradox, or irony, or contradiction. And I think um, when you see these powerful leaders in the world, they're wedded to an ideological framework or a promise. They're very serious. Um, They never crack jokes. And I doubt if they ever have time to listen to music either or poetry. Sometimes I wonder when I see how unhappy they are, like, why do they do it? I suppose the primal desires, you know, materialistic desires are very powerful. The desire for status, the desire for sex, the desire to consume. These are powerful forces. How, I wonder, can people continue to participate in systems that cause so much pain? But perhaps I should instead ask myself, why do I not dedicate my life to helping people that have got less access to wealth than me? Why don't I spend all my time helping homeless people or disadvantaged people? You know, maybe perhaps we're all on the scale of selfishness and myopia. Well, we are, but it's good to have that awareness. And that's what I think makes all the difference. Once you have that self-awareness, 
then you recognize that all this seeking for power is probably a reflection of uh, deep insecurity because that's the only way you feel good about yourself. This is an incredible time, uh, I, I feel, of of polarization and antagonism. And I can't see that it will be anything other than beneficial ultimately because I think we're experiencing the end of old ideas. And my hope, Deepak, is that it doesn't require cataclysm or catastrophe to induce that awareness, but that it can be brought to us through loving education. My personal sense is that comedy presents you quite quickly with two opposing ideas and there is the sudden revelation that of the truth behind the idea and the, and relief is experienced i.e. if you see on a subway a bag that could be, and you think oh my god no one's holding that bag is that a terrorist bag and then someone else sees the bag and the two of you think oh my god is it someone else's bag and then a, and then a third party takes ownership of the bag there will be a smile or possibly even a laugh of relief now I think that all comedy functions paradigmatically in this way that it's a kind of relief and a, a surprise as well something that was previously thought to be fearful is exposed as being uh, benevolent or at least neutral neutralized the language around humor is interesting too it is called a sense of humour. You can't see the humour or smell it. You have to sense where is the humour in this? Where is the humour? What is not being expressed that needs to be expressed? I think that all humour is underwritten by our mutual awareness that the reality we are living in is not the reality. It's not real. We know this on some level, that people are going, you can't park there, and this is the way we do things in this family, and this is what makes this country great. And underneath it, somewhere, somewhere deep within you is the awareness that none of this is real, that it's bullshit, that it's absurd, that it's all going to fall away. And through comedy, you can just for a moment touch that. You can make a connection with that awareness and it lights up like any circuit. And the laughter is the consequence of that temporary illumination, of that temporary connection. And that's why, in a sense, comedy is the thing I believe in most. Those who make others laugh do the rest of us a great service, showing us absurdity and through absurdity, truth. And through truth, change. I'm very aware that I've not been funny in this podcast because comedians, when they're asked about comedy, become very, very serious. It's a sort of a peculiar quirk in the comedian's mentality. I'm Deepak Chopra. Thank you for listening to Infinite Potential. If this episode connected with you, please share it with a friend and leave us comments so we get to hear from you. Now it's time for our gratitude list. Infinite Potential is produced by David Shadrach Smith and Julie Magruder. It's edited by Sam Dingman and Andy Jaskiewicz. The audio engineer is Bob Tabador Carolyn Rangel is our associate producer and Serena Regan is the coordinating producer. We especially thank our guests, sponsors, interns and everyone who has contributed to bring infinite potential to you. 
Our show is created and executive produced by David Shadrach Smith, Jan Cohen, and me. I'm Deepak Chopra. Thank you for joining me.